humans. Hello, humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM950, speaking to you from the bunker in Eden Prairie. How are you, all of you? And yet again, this is not pre-recorded whatsoever. You have me live. Live. And uh, that makes, I think, four Saturdays in a row you've had me live, and, and it's been quite a delight. Uh, we'll go back to doing mainly taping in March, but uh, I'll still come back live. I've been enjoying it. So you know, you know the standard ploy. When I say live, that means you can call in and... Let me give you the number because I love hearing from my listeners. The call, the call in number is 952 946 6205. So I would love to hear from you. We have a great, just a fantastic, fantastic show uh, today. Um, I don't have a featured idealist, but I have a live idealist here in the studio with me. And uh, we'll get to Nick Alm in a second. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in Texas as it relates to transgender children and youth and their families, which is quite horrible. I'm going to talk with you also about, um, oh, let me look at my list because that would be really good, Ellie. I'm going to talk with you a little bit about, um, oh, what's going on in the country relative to some anti-Semitism. Um, we absolutely have to make sure that we acknowledge what's going on in Ukraine um, and the people of Ukraine and all of the oppression that they are suffering right now and the horror that they're suffering. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on my dog, Jack. So we have a phenomenal show, but let's begin with the big interview. I've got Nick Alm here from Mosier. He, Nick, you may, if you've been a longtime listener of this show, you may recall Nick's name because I've had him on two times before. And uh, the, there's a reason for that. I, you know, I do have some guests that come back repeat uh, multiple times, and that's because they are particularly wonderful idealists who are really making a difference in the world. And Nick Alm fits that category. Nick is here um, as the executive director of Mosier. Nick, welcome to Ellie 2.0 yet again. Hello, Ellie. I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, talk to me, uh, because I'm, I'm, I know that it's been probably two years since we had you here last. Um, talk to us about what is Mosier. Okay, let's get that kind of baseline for everybody. And then we're going to talk about how you as a really, really young person, okay, idealist, are rocking the world. So go ahead. Thank you so much, Ellie. So, Mosier, we are on a mission to enable employment equity for everyone LGBTQ. So we go into organizations. We want them to not just accept LGBTQ people, we want them to celebrate our community, to promote psychological safety. We want trust between employers here in Minnesota and the LGBTQ community. So we offer a variety of programs to employers as well as job seekers who are LGBTQ trying to find a safe and affirming place to work. Okay. All right. Tell us mechanically, how does that work? Do you work only in the Twin Cities? Is it only in Minnesota? Are you going, mm -hmm. are you going across the country? And uh, it's a long question. And how are we dealing with states where, you know, LGBTQ people have no rights? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we work technically nationally, very strong Minnesota base right now. The pandemic has allowed us, I think, to go more national. And so what we do, especially with employees and companies that have employees in these states that we're going to be talking about today, 
Um, number one, unfortunately, I think we still have a lot of work to do telling, especially senior and executive leaders, that trans people are real, that trans kids are real. Um, we offer a lot of great programming events, trainings, workshops. We do an assessment with organizations that go over their policy compliance procedures. Um, to see we, if they're LGBTQ plus um, favorable. Totally. Okay. Because we don't, we say to employers, you're not allowed to recruit with us until you've gone through these steps. Because job seekers, especially trans job seekers, they have a set of needs and the bar is high. And they trust Mosier when they come to us, when they go to our job board, we have a resume database, we have a matchmaking service. When they come to us, they say, Nick, I trust you to tell me that this is a good employer to work okay. with. Okay, so all right, so what Mosier, Mosier does is you're sort of a navigator, mm -hmm. right? Um, but you're also a filter. You're, you, you, you're giving companies across the country like the good housekeeping seal of approval for LGBTQ plus people, right? I like to think that we are measuring momentum. We're measuring commitment. And so we're trying to <clears throat> be in this non-binary space of saying there's not good companies and bad companies. Okay. Not, so that's, that's momentum is what I'm measuring at the end of the day. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, before we get any further, how can people find out about Mosier? Where, where would they go on the internet? Mosier.com. That's Amazon Mary, O-S-S-I-E-R.com. Sign up. Job seekers, totally free, right? Job board, all of those resources. We want to help you land that next opportunity. Okay. And then, so what if though, Nick, we've got some employers listening? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you, is there a certain size of employer that Mosier works with for them you know, for you to do the assessment and, and get them on your list of, of um, I'm using the word approved again, but you're, you're, you want to be sort of non-binary. I understand totally. that, but yeah. Totally. No, mostly businesses and nonprofits and government agencies with more than a hundred employees tend to work best with us. Okay. But as far as our monthly meetups, all of our online learning, all of that is great for smaller organizations. Okay, all right. Now, um, let's let, let's go back even a couple further steps because there's a story here about Mosier. About yes. it, and, and you are the first executive director of Mosier. Um, you got tapped to do this back when you were still at, at the U, right? Totally. <laughs> all right, so give us a little bit more of that history, mm -hmm. if you would, please. The Mosier Foundation local foundation here in Minnesota funded me in 2016 to be able to do Mosier for the first year and have a salary. Um, so I had started the LGBTQ organization at the Carlson School. Uh, in my business school education, I felt like I was being forced to either be a business person or be a queer person and that I couldn't be either, or, but one, uh, both together. And so starting that group was kind of my way of saying, I'm going to be both and you're going to have to deal with it. And Mosier kind of stemmed out of then this need that came forward where all these companies were saying, Nick, can you coach us on trans-inclusive healthcare benefits? Could you coach us on what gender identity options we should put in our job applications? And that was the business light bulb that really went on. Mosier was actually a person, right? Kevin Mosier, very successful entrepreneur here in the 80s, started a gay travel company. Right. Yep. Okay. And so this is... Uh, he he has passed, right? In '96. Okay, and this is the 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 some of the money that he accumulated, created a foundation. Mosier came out of that. We got the final check, and so the foundation sunset 
Kevin's whole legacy was employing openly LGBTQ people when that was not a conversation. Right. So we took on his name to kind of continue that legacy. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's all just great, but let's, um, but let's go back to you. Uh, so you're at the Carlson school. You get tapped to be the first executive director of Mosier. How old were you at the time? 19. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I always laugh about that because it's just unbelievable. All right. So from there in 16, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. To now in 22, just let, let the audience know what you've done. Okay. Totally. So, you know, and if you, you know, specifically also share about budget, how it's gone from, you know, yeah. X to X, what plus plus Y, Y, Y. So go on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many folks kind of were introduced to Mosier through our proud to work conference that we used to do a big annual conference that you've spoken at. Yep. Uh, you know, initially there was just like nine companies that stepped up to do either a $500 sponsorship, maybe a thousand dollars. Today we have about 40 members that are paying as much as about $25,000 to gain access to our full suite of services. Um, about 2,000 people are in our community right now who are attending our events. About 800 job seekers are coming to our platform to get help. From across the country. From across the country. Um, so it really went from basically this little ragtag event that we just wanted to get a conversation going right. to how do we really, really change organizations at a structural and systemic level? And we, over time, just learned that an event sponsorship is great, but that wasn't moving the needle or making good on our mission in the way that I wanted to. So that was where we started to introduce this assessment process, more ongoing learning, a more standardized curriculum, um, really asking employers to, to walk the walk a little more. Okay. Okay. Well, that, I mean, it's just, uh, for me, uh, you know, I ran a nonprofit for five years, but I, I did, I started that when I was, you know, 53, 54 years old. And so for you to, to begin this at 19 with pretty much a blank slate and a board that had to believe in you at your age, okay. Mm -hmm. They had to believe in you. And, and you, you, and you started with just you alone and now you have some contract people and now you're looking to hire full-time people. Is that right? About seven contractors and two full-time openings right now. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell the audience what the openings are? Oh my gosh. Well, great. <laughs> so if you are out there, I'm looking for a facilitator, full-time facilitator, who's going to run our curriculum on trans and non-binary issues, on self-ID, building employee resource groups. This person's going to facilitate that learning with our members. And then our jobs coordinator is going to be the relationship manager, the middle person that's going to coach our queer job seekers and then work with our recruiters to say, where do we have matches? Where can we get queer people into safe and affirming and um, jobs that help them move up in the world? Okay. And if people want to apply or see the job descriptions for those jobs, where do they go? The homepage of Mosier.com. You'll see it right there. Okay. All right. Well, Nick, we're going to take a break. Okay. And when we come back, I want to talk about what's going on in America right now as it relates to LGBTQ plus people. Okay. All right, listeners, you're, you're here at Heli 2.0 Radio on AM 950. I've been speaking to Nick Alm, who is the executive director of Mosier. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk with Nick. And you're going to hear about this idealist a lot more. Okay, we'll be back in a sec. Thanks. 
back. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, uh, talking with Nick Alm, who is the executive director of Mosier. I would say also you're the 25-year-old or your mm-hmm. old executive director of Mosier, which is um, has a national reputation for helping companies become LGBTQ friendly and 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 to, and to attract LGBTQ employees. Nick, um, before we broke, um, you know we. Well, before we broke, I, 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 we had started a little bit talking about what's going on in the country right now. And what, what, what is your read? Now, we've got, you know, we had the Supreme Court in the Bostock case in June of uh, 2020 come down and say that LGBTQ employees are covered by civil rights laws. They can't be fired um, for being LGBTQ plus in the workplace. But we know that if that was true and it's all you need is the law, then there would be no need for employment lawyers ever. Um, so what are you, what's your read on what's going on in the country right now as you're talking to different employers and are you seeing differences in region about mm. how things are going? Mm-hmm. So I'm a little concerned. Oh, and right hold now. on. I'm going to stop just for a second. Listeners, Nick is a fascinating human. Okay. Please give us a call and talk to Nick. And ask him a question about the broader world of LGBTQ plus people and employment. The number is 952-946-6205. And Lynette, I know that you're going to call and that would be great because I'm sure you'll have a great question for Nick. Okay, go ahead, Nick. So, Ellie, um, first things first, I am a concerned citizen right now because I think a lot of employers are doing really great things on the lesbian thing and on the gay thing. And I'm not so sure about the trans thing. Okay. And I'm not so sure that, especially folks in the for-profit space and in the corporate space, to me it just feels like there's so much psychological and cognitive dissonance between what a trans child is experiencing in the South and maybe what a trans person would be experiencing in one of those workplaces. Okay. Well, t- t- talk more about that. I mean, what do you, what do you, th- well, we'll. Hold on with the with the kids, okay? Because we're going to yeah. talk about Abbott and Texas, and I'm going to. You're here for my whole show, so <laughs> okay. Um, but but what what about what is it the what's the dissonance with the adults? Is it partly about passing and making uh, customers uh, or clients uncomfortable? Because that's the thing that I always uh, seem to encounter as I'm doing my work. Um, not that, well, I do make people uncomfortable, but after they get to know me, they kind of love me. But <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you seeing about that? Mm-hmm. So what I describe it as is the ceiling is rising for a very select few privileged trans folks who can pass, who can perform that heteronormative expectation that employers have. Okay. The ceiling is going up for those people. The benefit- we should probably explain what passing means. Go ahead. Somebody who is transgender or non-binary who passes uh, can fit into stereotypical feminine or masculine gender presentations or what you would think of if you closed your eyes and you thought of man or woman. Uh, the voice matches, the body hair matches, all of those things match. Right. And no, but in essence, no one would ever guess that you were assigned a different gender at birth. Correct. Okay. All right. And and as it relates, I mean, we do joke around. I do joke around with it, but I mean, it's darn serious. 
you know, um, if I don't open my mouth, I think we can agree that I pass. Yes. Totally. Nod your head. Totally. Vigorously. And, and you at home, you can do that as well as you're watching on camera. But as soon as I open my mouth, we have a problem. <laughs> you just smoke two packs a day. <laughs> well, you know, the standard joke is that there are half a dozen older women in Bemidji, four in their 70s, two are pushy gaity. They just think I smoke five packs of cigarettes yes. a day for 25 years. They've got no clue. <laughs> But yeah, and, and you know, and, and of course, with my interaction, what I have done um, is I have actually utilized my incongruity between voice and appearance as a tool in my training about the power of human familiarity. Because I do think that people, most people, get past it eventually once they, I'm around them for a while and they get to know me and all of that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so we're hoping that, but enough about Ellie Krug. So, so. How is this incongruity showing up? I mean, are you so are you seeing employers making excuses for not hiring trans people who don't pass or non-binary people who don't pass? And by non-binary, we mean folks who identify neither as male or female. They just identify as human. That's the way I define it. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Totally. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so I think a lot of employers think that we're, they're doing a great job because a very small number of trans people have been hired and they are moving up or they are fitting in. And they're not aware that there's a 95% that does not fit the mold, that is still not even close to tapping into those, those organizations. Combine that with what I feel is a growing sense, a, a growing desire to not get political. As people are coming to me to ask for speaking requests and talk to our organization, um, I'm, always, I'm never surprised when uh, allies or straight people or cisgender people want to shy away from the political reality of our lives. Um, but I also hear it coming from LGBT people, um, lesbian and gay men in these workplaces who um, I think are just, have not realized that they have an opportunity, I think, to open the door to this whole new conversation. So are you saying that even talking about trans people in the workplace is a political issue? That is my feeling right now. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. With given everything that's happening in the news, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, and it's and it's and it's I I try not to be shocked, you know, especially we're talking about Pride Month and things coming up where, you know, that was started because a black trans drag queen threw a brick at a cop, and yeah. Yeah. we've just seemed to have drifted really far away from that that radical beginning, and so I'm trying to figure out how do we bring people back to. The fact that there is no separating this personal and political conversation, especially for trans people right now, it's only going to get more intense. Um, and so I don't have the answer, but I'm thinking about it every day. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, and, and of course, I have no idea about how m many times I get filtered out um, with requests for me to speak or train. I, but, you know, last year I did 135 talks with at least 130, you know, essentially 135 different sponsors, you know, most of them willing to pay for my time and stuff. And so for me, I see it, I see that and I'm like, okay, well, you know, we are making progress, but you're seeing it on the other end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And Ellie Krug is exceptional and you're very good at what you do and <laughs> right. And you, so there, there is, there is this, um, again, that incongruence between the needs of the broader community yep. and the select few of us that have broken through because of a kind of divine combination of talent and privilege and all of those things. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, listen, we're going to take one, an, another 
no, you know, uh, Dan, we're just going to keep going, okay? And and we'll we'll take a break in a second. Um, Nick, I want to just shift a little bit because you identify as non-binary. Yes. And can you, with our audience, um, who I would love for them to call and ask you a question at 952-946-6205, can you um, talk about what does it mean to be non-binary, okay, in, in the world, and... Um, you know, and, and what challenges have you encountered? Okay. So yes, I identify as non-binary in the sense that ever since I was a little kid, I I'd walk into a, a clothing store and I always was so perplexed that there was just two options because I wanted some of that. I wanted some of this and I wanted something totally different. I was always gender expansive and I actually almost prefer the label gender expansive because I think it's so much more accurate for my lived experience. I love expressing my gender in creative ways. I love makeup. Uh, I can butch it up if I need to. I can butch it down. I can mold myself to what a situation needs, right? I'm very lucky as somebody who is assigned male at birth who has white skin that I can kind of filter back into a more palatable uh, visual for people. So gender is something that is very playful for me. Gender is something that is very exciting. Um, if I could just sit around all day and play with my gender, that would be <laughs> good enough for me. All right, but what challenges have you encountered, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people slot me as boy, as man, right? I think most people, uh, they might respect my pronouns, right? They might respect the fact that I use the non-binary label, but you can tell in their minds they really can't get past the in their mind that, you know, this is just a man wearing lipstick or this is just a man in a dress. Mm -hmm. And that's uncomfortable, you know, yeah. uh, when you're yeah. asking to be seen. And going into a grocery store in a dress as somebody who's 6'3 and you've got four foot, uh, four inch heels on and, you know, I stick out. I just stick out. <laughs> I'm a unicorn walking through Target and kids stare, parents stare. And um, some days that's a lot. Some days I love you know, my makeup is my armor, my clothing is my armor, my right. fabulosity is my armor, but some days you just kind of feel crushed by just the weight of yeah. knowing that you're so different. Well, and you know, and of course um, you are brave and and I don't know how you feel about being told that, but you are. And, and, um, and of course we have in common about getting the look, mm. okay? And, um, and, and and you're right. On some days, ah, eh, the look goes over the shoulder. Ah, eh, yeah, whatever. Okay, but on the you know, I, I I equate it nine times out of ten. It's just fine. On the tenth time, it just kills you. And you never know when the t you never know when it's going to be a tenth time. You know. Totally. <laughs> well, and I also want to share the other side too, which is that there are countless amount of people who kind of just pull me aside and whisper into my ear. You know, you're so brave, or I love you, or I what your yeah. your makeup is so great, and you just the amount of people I connect with too keeps me going because we're there's way more of us freaky weirdo people out there than I think we care to admit. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. Okay. And um, when we come back, I'm going to do a little bit of other stuff, but I'm going to want your input on some things. Great. Okay. All right, everyone. We've been, this is Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 radio. We've been talking to the wonderful, magnificent Nick Alm from Mosier. When we come back, we'll talk with Nick a little bit more, but I'm going to bring you up to date on some things going on in the world. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Thanks.
Kelly 2.0 Radio, and Nick and I are just seat dancing as we're doing this. We've been speaking with Nick Alm from Mosier, but I'm gonna, he's going to stay here with me, and I'm going to get commentary from him, sort of like he can be my co-host uh, now, Nick. And, and I want to move on, and I want to start talking about what's going on in America, and we cannot, not, not end this show without talking about Ukraine. But, um, you know, and uh, so the war started with Ukraine this week, which I will get to in a second. But it kind of took away all the attention, which, you know, obviously rightly so to a certain degree, of something that happened in Texas this week. And that something was that um, first the uh, Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, issued a letter uh, stating that he believed under Texas law and Texas Constitution that uh, providing transgender kids with gender-affirming care. So that's a very broad phrase, but what that essentially means is seeing a therapist so that the, the child can deal with what's going on about how their brain doesn't match their body, but also about um, uh, getting test uh, hormone blockers so that uh, 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 trans boys and trans girls don't go through puberty. Um, and in the case of a trans girl, I'm a trans woman, Puberty will prevent them from having a voice like this, okay? <laughs> so, and, and other things related to, uh, to uh, healthcare of trans kids. Ken Paxton said he believes that providing any of that, including the therapy uh, to the children, constitutes uh, child abuse. That was followed up by Governor Greg Abbott. You know, um, my listeners know Abbott. We know what's going on in Texas as it relates to abortion and women's rights. Governor Abbott followed up on Ken Paxton's letter and then issued a statement, issued a letter <clears throat> sent to the Texas Health and Human Services, um, the Department of Family and Protective Services, and the Texas Medical Board. Among other things, the letter said this, that it was child abuse to subject Texas children to a wide variety of elective procedures for gender transitioning, including reassignment surgeries, um, including uh, administering puberty-blocking drugs, um, and uh, and uh, he didn't. Uh, and it's also about providing the child with therapy uh, to help affirm their gender identity. Um, by the way, part of this thing about Texas is that you can't put children through surgery so that their body aligns with their brains. I'm just here to report that for surgery between your legs to get, you know, what's between your legs to match your brain, there is no doctor in America that will perform that surgery for anybody younger than 18. I'm just letting you know that. Okay. So a lot of this is overhype. A lot of this is horrible, but, but the problem is, and Nick weigh in on this, what this is doing is telling Trans people, um, tra the parents of transgender children, uh, you're not going to be able. We're not. You're not going to be able to get your kid any kind of health care, any kind of therapeutic care. You're not going to. And 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 uh, Abbott's letter also said that he wants people reporting. You know, if if they know about a transgender child who's transitioning, what do you, what's your take on all of that? Well, I think, <laughs> other than it's horrible. Other than it's horrible. Wow. Um, the first thing I want to highlight is that there's going to be a disproportionate impact 
among trans kids who have parents of means who can travel to other states, move to other states, who have parents that have jobs that are transferable to other parts of the country, those there's going to be a different story for those people than there is going to be for trans kids of color, right, who have parents who don't have the means to make quick job changes, for example. So I think that's an important conversation. Um, the silence from employers around this so far, I know the, there's a lot going on in the news right now. Um, we got to talk about that a little bit more. Um, and to me, it's just it's further evidence that trans kids are going to be the wedge issue that are probably going to be defined the next 12 months or more of uh, this culture war that we're having right now. Right, right. Well, even, I mean, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Scott from Florida issued his 10 or 11 point plan for America. One of those points is about essentially erasing transgender people. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, the, the, for me, what, what Abbott is doing, well, it's not what he's doing at this moment. It's what's coming next. Okay. What's coming next. I have no doubt it's going to be bounties. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, if, if you know about a family uh, where a child has transitioned and is getting medical care of some type and you re- you drop the dime, we're going to give you some money for doing that. So there's that's coming. But I think the more horrible thing even above that is that it's just a half step from what Abbott's letter says about getting care and all that to just simply saying, if you allow your child to transition, if you let little Bobby, you know, start to wear a dress and say, my name is Brandy, we're going to put you in jail. And we're going to take your kid away. It is, it's not even a full step. It's a half step to doing that. Mm-hmm. What, what, and, and we know that Texas leads the way, right? They lead the they way lead for leader. so many other states. Global leader. <laughs> how, how are we going to deal with this? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, listeners, I mean, as soon as this letter came down, I started reaching out to like Equality Texas uh, to see what I can do. And, and I, I had a Twitter conversation with a lawyer, but I feel extremely helpless. I, I do. I feel extremely, extremely helpless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's a call on a spiritual level to decide collectively where the line actually is. You know, is, is this really going to be the line that we draw in the sand? You're not going to go beyond banning, you know, medical care for trans kids because it is going to go further. Um, so I think that's the conversation in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces that we just need to have first and foremost. Is right. they're, they're calling it a wedge issue. They're making it a wedge issue. Is this going to be our wedge issue? Are we going to be the ones to say, actually, no? And until we make that spiritual choice, I'm not sure what is possible beyond that. Well, and of course, can we envision, um, it won't happen in 24, 25, but excuse me, it won't happen in 22, 23, but it might happen in 25. Can we envision where it's the, the you know, the, the Senate, the House, and the presidency are controlled by a Republican mm-hmm. and a national law, a national law against healthcare for transgender kids, a national law against transitioning, around, against allowing young children to transition. I mean, I don't think that that's beyond the pale. no. They're going to go after the provisions in Obamacare that protect folks who are seeking gender-affirming care. They're going to take this to the highest federal courts, Supreme Courts. Well, they did that when uh, Trump was in office. They totally. went after that Obamacare protection. Totally. I just, so listeners, at a minimum, if you can just pay attention to what's going on, 
about this because it's incredibly, incredibly important. I will let you know also, in my work, the number of people that I encounter who have transgender children or grandchildren or niece or nephew or non-binary niece or nephew or grandchild or, or child. It is astounding. Nick, there are so many more people out there who identify as trans or non-binary than anybody knows. Absolutely. Absolutely. The challenge, I think, is that 80% of people know somebody who's lesbian, gay, or bisexual. That number drops to about 20% of people have a personal intimate relationship with somebody who's trans. And I think that's part of what's being exploited here too, because there's this inability for most people, even good people who care and have good hearts, uh, to close that gap and recognize that the outcome for trans kids in this country is the same outcome for everybody else. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, listen, I wanted to cover that with Abbott and, and, uh, all of that. Um, listeners, I want to talk about Ukraine. Okay. And, um, I want to talk about it from the perspective of democracy and fighting oppression. It is appalling. It's not that I don't even I don't even think that that's even close to this, the word that that we need to use about what is happening to a European country with people forty four million people who simply want to control their destiny. And then to have a big bully neighbor led by a big bully to say, you're part of us we're, and we're going to come and get you. And we're going to make you back. We're going to take you back and we're going to force you to be part of Russia. I, it is beyond the pale. And... I think that the translated to what happens here in America is it's it's just absolutely a direct relationship. I mean, we are seeing conservative news outlets uh, supporting uh, Putin. I, I'm driving in here today, listening to somebody talking to a white nationalist group praising Putin and and evoking chants about Putin, 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 Putin in America. We have conservative news hosts who are asking, what's in it for America that, you know, that we support Ukraine? What's in it for me? That's really what it was. It was, what's in it for me? Our basic back, go back to selfishness about what it is we want, what, how it's going to benefit me personally. Forget about how it's good for the country. Forget about uh, the common good. Forget about the fact that we need to protect our children. We just got done talking about children, Nick. About the fact that it's just mind-boggling. And, and we are watching people be overtaken. It's unbelievable. What do you think about that, Nick? Mm. So one of the more nuanced part of the conversations that I've been reading about and thinking about is the fact that simultaneously what's happening in Ukraine, right? There are U.S.-led airstrikes happening right now in Somalia, in Yemen, right? right? And so it's, it's opened my eyes right now to think, Russia got me to think bigger about all the sorts of militarism that's happening all over the world right now, and to what to what extent do we care about different types based on Abs who's being attacked? Abs well, absolutely. I don't think it's any coincidence that 
uh, this morning we spent so much time about a missile strike on a on a, a high-rise apartment building in downtown Kiev. Right. Where, you know, it's hab- inhabited by, you know, middle class to upper middle class white, mm-hmm. white color people. It feels real. It feels really close. When you know, it, you can the visual effect of looking at what's happening in Ukraine. It looks like home. It looks in it a does. way. And again, closing that cognitive dissonance. It's like, how do we use this as momentum to have a bigger conversation about how militarism is terrible <laughs> in general? Yeah, I, I think that that's an excellent point. And um, I I just, I worry, of course, about the division. And I, who in, 10 years ago, who in, who in their right mind would have ever thought that a, a sizable percentage of the United States is rooting for Russia to overtake another country? I don't know. All right. Well, listen, uh, listeners, we've got to take another break. Um, when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit of some other things. I'm going to give an update on Jack the dog. I would love to hear from you. So would Nick, uh, because this is your last chance. 952-946-6205. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. And we're back, LE 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950. I've had Nick Alm here for the entire show, and he's been a wonderful commentator. Nick, I think that you have a future in radio as well as in executive directorship. But listeners, I only have about five minutes left. And before I go, I want to make sure I give you an update on Jack the Dog. Now, you may recall last week, um, I told you about having difficulty trying to find a kennel for Jack when I have to go to Norfolk, Nebraska at the end of March to uh, speak and do some community training um, for the entire town of 28,000 in Norfolk. And um, I was <laughs> I was trying to find a kennel. And I put a, uh, because that is, happens to be school break week. And uh, so I put a shout out on Nextdoor, the, app, the Nextdoor app. And eventually... Uh, and I got a number of people saying, yeah, we'll come and house sit your dog and all that stuff. But a, wo- a woman reached out and said, Ellie, my next door neighbors retired in their mid seventies. They lost their golden retriever a couple of years ago. And what they do is they, they like to have goldens come to their house for the day or sometimes overnight to get their golden fix. Would you like me to give you their name? And I said, yes. And as I related last week, I had a, had a, had a conversation with them on the telephone and, um, and we talked about Jack and they were very excited about, you know, meeting Jack eventually. And then Marianne, uh, the person, uh, the woman, I'm sorry, I, I don't have permission to share names, but the, the, the wife of uh, this couple um, uh, just said, well, we're, we're going to take him. But we worked it out that on Saturday after my last radio show, I would go take Jack to meet them. OK, so that they knew what they were getting into. They'd be comfortable with it. And I, may, and I did relate to you um, on the show last when I did do that phone call before they met us. Uh, I, I said that I was transgender because I didn't want them to be uncomfortable. I didn't want me to be uncomfortable. Along the lines of what Nick and I have been talking about this almost this entire show. Well, Jack and I, after the show last week, we went over to meet the couple. Lovely, lovely people. Just 
They had lost their golden retriever, and just as I had been told, you know, they like to have goldens come over. I brought Jack over. I had him on a short leash so they wouldn't run all over the house. They said, Ellie, let him go. <laughs> My boy, he took it up out. He was all over the house running around. But I'm, I wanted to let you know, when it all turned out, they like Jack, and, and it looks like this week I've, they're going to help me out where I have to go do some speaking. Um, they're going to let me drop Jack off at 6.30 in the morning, and they're going to take him for at least a half a day, which is just wonderful. But what I wanted you to know is that as while I was there, they related to me um, that they were conservative. I, I Again, I don't want to get into the, the weeds of the details because these are very lovely, lovely people. And you would think that they would not be willing to meet a transgender person from stereotypes. Because we have these stereotypes about liberal and conservative and whether you're accepting or not. And this is the point. This is why I'm telling you this story. They're like, Ellie, it's okay that you are who you are. And please bring Jack back. I mean, I, I just have to tell you, it so warmed my heart. And I just tell you this story because we have this, these stereotypes. Red and blue, never talk to each other. It's, it's this chasm. We can't get past the divide. I'm here to tell you, all we have to do is sit and talk to each other and we can get past it. We're just not doing the talking. And again, we need, you know, um, we need 10,000 listening sessions in the land of 10,000 lakes. If we don't do that, we're not going to get there okay well listen that has been another great show nick alm thank you so very thank much you, for Ellie. being here you just did great uh listeners uh next week i think it's going to be a tape show we'll figure that out and uh but um please uh come back um a big thanks to my producer dan you're doing great um and big thanks to you all of you my listeners please as you go forward this week do what you can to make the world better. Please. And remember, have compassion for others, but also have it for yourself. All right. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.